Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 329, Feb 24, 2020. 59 degrees was the high on this day in 1880, and it was 20 below in 1967. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. Ilhan Omar was quite the topic of discussion on Friday with uh, new suggestions that she did, in fact, marry her brother, and I've got a lot of emails on that. Uh, Tom writes... Joe, love the podcast. Listen to the radio show from day one. Almost always agree with you, but have to confess, I was yelling at my iPad during your discussion of Ilhan Omar's marital situation. You repeatedly said you didn't care who she was married to, stating that your issues with her go far beyond this. While I'm with you that, yes, there are many other issues about which to take issue with Omar, please think about this for a moment. We might conceivably have a sitting U.S. congresswoman who committed immigration fraud. I don't believe it can be overstated how egregious this is. If this is true, she should resign and be prosecuted. Hmm. Uh, Barbara writes, Well, what was not covered in today's discussion of the Ilhan Omar marriage was that if her brother was her husband, her income became low enough for both of them to qualify for student grants at North Dakota State University. No one seems to mention this. So because she was legally married to her brother, not her husband, whatever, who had income at the time, we paid for her degree and her brother's degree. That is also fraud, similar to Elizabeth Warren's getting student aid as an American Indian. Barbara, avid listener. Hail the flashlight king. Hail you. Dan writes, uh, Joe, referencing the discussion on yesterday's podcast about Representative Omar's multiple marriages saga. As you say, reporting isn't what it used to be. You are correct that the FBI currently has an investigation ongoing. The relevance and reason behind it is this. If she, in fact, married her brother, this was during the period of her college days at NDSU. During that time, she made applications for government assistance and federal student loans. FBI is looking into the federal assistance fraud. Who cares how many times she married? As always, follow the money. Pushing back from Matamida, Dan. Uh, Mayor, all someone has to do is go over to London and get some of this guy's DNA. Shouldn't be hard. Once you have it, try and get Omar. Omar's DNA and ask her to prove the negative. If she if she refuses, it kind of proves her guilty. Cheers. Uh, Jim. Well, that sounds super easy. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm sure they'll be willingly giving it up, too. <laughs> uh, Mo writes, Hail the Flashlight King. Hail you. Are you. Listening to the Friday discussion about whether Ilhan married her brother to help keep him in the country, I was hoping that one of you would stumble onto the path to the truth, which is quite simple. I should have known better. The mystery can be solved with a simple DNA test. If Ilhan wants to end the speculation, and why wouldn't she that she and her brother-slash-husband can volunteer to submit saliva samples. If she doesn't volunteer, there are a number of other ways to gather the samples. But getting his sample might be as simple as writing a check. Everyone has a price. Ilhan's sister also might enjoy a little extra cash. There are a lot of creative ways beyond that, too, just saying. The district deserves to know the truth. Keep pushing back. Uh, Ron might have it wrapped up. 
Hey, fellas, I'm just now listening to last Friday's Ilhan Omar update, and I think it could be summed up as follows. Some people did some things. <laughs> okay. And uh, it was recommended that we contact Scott Johnson of the Powerline blog. And he has agreed to join us. Yeah, he'll be in studio Thursday. Who's he? What's that all about? Powerline blog is uh, some good deep thinkers in the Twin Cities who uh, are credible and have written uh, many, many things that you just don't normally see in the Star Tribune or Pioneer Press. Do they have a political leaning? Oh, hell yes. They're they're conservative thinkers. Right. I'm not sure that Scott Johnson is a... I, I, that's neither here nor there. He's been on that Ilhan Omar story. For a long time, and it might be interesting to get his perspective. And I know Scott's a listener because when I reached out to him, he yeah. he knew who all of us were yeah. right away. I've talked to Scott before. Yeah. He'll be he'll be all right. He'll be good. Uh, Bernie Sanders uh, is doubling down on his support for Fidel Castro. Huh. <laughs> right out of the shoot on Monday, huh, bro? Uh, he was uh, on sixty Minutes last night. I did not watch it, but I've been reading about it. I did not visually see he, it. He praised Castro uh, during the 80s. When asked about his current stance on Castro, uh, he continues supporting aspects of Castro's totalitarian regime. Uh, we're very opposed to the authoritarian nature of Cuba, Sanders told Anderson Cooper, before pivoting to defend Castro. But it's unfair to say that everything is bad. He then began parroting talking points often cited by the country's communist government. When Fidel Castro came into office, you know what he did? He had a massive literacy program. Is that a bad thing, even if even though Fidel Castro did it? This Wow. While it is true that Castro implemented a reading program on the island after seizing power in a bloody revolution in 1959, Cuba's literacy rate was already high for a Latin American nation at the time, and its educational gains have been comparable to those of its peers in the years since. Uh, as attorney Hans Bader noted in an August 2016 article, nearly eight out of 10 Cubans already knew how to read by 1950. That figure was similar to that of Costa Rica, which also achieved 100% literacy over the following decades, except Costa Rica and other countries did so without the kind of Marxist dictatorship that Cubans have endured under the Castro regime for over 61 years. Uh, Dr. Andy Gomez, a retired University of Miami professor who led the school's Cuban Studies Department for decades, said the Democratic Socialist presidential candidate is misinforming voters about the true motives behind Castro's education efforts. Contrary to what Sanders said, the literacy campaign uh, was an indoctrination program uh, used uh, in education at all levels in support of Marxist ideology. <laughs> it had nothing to do with Jack and Jill going up the hill to fetch a pail of water. <laughs> Claims of Castro's health care, education, wow. and social achievement have been a common talking point of the Castro regime for decades. As National Review's Jay Nordlinger noted, in 1986, former Cuban political prisoner Armando Valadares was asked at a Harvard forum about Cuba's literacy rate and other supposed accomplishments of the island's communist revolution. He, he responded by noting that not only are many of the regime's claims false, even if they were true, they came at the expense of basic human freedom and dignity. Do you think he knows that? Yes. I think he's a, I think he's a bitter, envious man who's never achieved a damn thing in his life. What's he going and after? And resents success. Okay, but what's he going after now? Do you think he just 
wants to be president as a personal uh, um, award, or do you think he no, wants he to... He wants to turn this into a non-capitalist country. Wow. The uh, tweets on Saturday about, about the Nevada caucus were, were phenomenal, by mm-hmm. the way, mm-hmm. saying, Bernie, so uh, feel so bad for you in this difficult time, and then showing pictures right. of the U.S. beating Russia. Right. It was great. <laughs> no, but I, you truly believe that Bernie knows that their literacy program was, in fact, just an attempt to indoctrinate people into Marxist and, and communist. I, I just think he thinks it sounds good to tell the American people, look what he did. He had a literacy program. So he's probably just as dumb as we think yeah, he is. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So he's not dumb like a fox. Yeah. Among Sanders' most ardent supporters, and moving on to a different story, are college-age voters who favor the Democratic Socialists far more overwhelmingly than the broader electorate. Let me stop right there. The very fact that he could be supported uh, by college-age kids uh, is really, really proof of the failed academy. Mm-hmm. They're just not oh, aware. Sure. It's just yeah. it's terrible. This is just terrible. However, uh, from liberal MSNBC commentator Chris Matthews and Joy, Joy Reid, uh, former Clinton campaign manager James Carville and a growing number of voices on the left are sounding an alarm, joining those with whom campus reform spoke more than a year ago. Uh, what we're finding is the Venezuelans are trying to warn us. They're saying, you, you don't, don't fall for this BS. We're one out of three Venezuelans are hungry. Don't fall for this fraud. Uh, we never thought this could happen in our country, one victim of socialism said about the economic system's perils in Venezuela. Uh, we had a balance of power. We had democracy, and we elected our leaders. One person who said that he was born and raised in Venezuela said that he has seen his country deteriorate under socialism. On Saturday, Sanders won the Nevada Democratic caucuses. The win follows his victory in New Hampshire. Uh, he, he's the guy. He's the guy. And, and, and machinists, mechanics like Carville, are saying to the Democratic Party, you're out of your mind. Yeah. You're ruining the... You're crazy. This guy would ruin the country. <laughs> but the majority of us know that. AP... U.N. study. One of every three Venezuelans is facing hunger. They're foraging in the streets, in garbage dumps. The whole thing has collapsed. You think that couldn't happen here? <laughs> I think it could. Uh, ten years ago, maybe I, I don't think it could happen here. I, I do now believe that things are in place to make that happen. Keith, the- Keith Olson in Terry, Montana. Hail the flashlight king. Hail, Hail, Hail you. you. Okay, so the February 20 Feb pod, Feb 20 podcast, where you made the argument that Bernie's commies ideas wouldn't really work in the USA, that got me to thinking about a guy I know who lives in Finland and is more American than 50% of Americans. I shot him a link to the podcast and had him listen to the segment and, uh, and hopefully to the whole podcast and give me his thoughts on it. Uh, and I'm sorry this is a forward of a forward, but the middle account, uh, so he, he's, he's providing me what his buddy in Finland oh, said. Good. Uh, Petri, this is a forward of a forward, right? Petri Vatanen. <laughs> hey, the guys on the air were exactly right about Finland, Sweden, Denmark, etc. It's true we're not socialist countries. However, it doesn't always feel like that. Big overspending governments, massive taxes on everything, etc. But let's focus on the mythical Scandinavian healthcare system. First of all, let's get rid of the myth that it's free. It's not. In fact, everything but. But let's get into the bigger picture of a later stage. Going to a health care center is very modestly priced, but not free. About $20 a visit. How does it work? Well, let me give you a little breakdown of my last visit. I first booked the time online. The way it works, it's something, say, between 1 p.m. and 2 p.m. 
you go there into a very crowded lobby. It's if if not overcrowded at times. So your name gets called at some point and you go in to see a doctor. No, there are no resources, not enough doctors. You go to see a nurse. The nurse then asks, what's the problem? And usually it doesn't matter what it is. They tell you to go home, take ibuprofen and rest. If you do have something more serious, like my case, a very painful ankle, they called the doctor in. She spent one to two minutes in the room, poked at it. It hurt. Then she gave me a, a, a prescription for painkillers and I was sent home. Are the meds free? No. And you pay for them yourself. Is the ankle better? No. Well, what's next? Private health care. Since it's very hard to get proper examinations and treatment with the free tax-paid health care system, most working people are forced to have insurance to cover for private health care. Needless to explain how it works, it works the same as in the USA. But the thing is we pay this ineffective public health care with our tax money and then the private health care and insurances with the leftovers. In uh, defense of the public health care, I must say it does work uh, a lot better when something more severe and life-threatening happens. If you spend three months in ICU, it's not going to ruin you financially for life, or if you get a cancer, etc. Overall, it's very ineffective on small things, but highly effective on major things. Mm. But with all things considered, we're a country of six million people, which is my point that never gets brought up. That's manageable. Right. Six million yeah. people in a country the size of maybe Montana. Mm-hmm. That's manageable. We're too big. But with all things considered, we're a country of six million people, so this may not be the perfect system for a country with over 300 million people. Also, if you're making uh, three grand a month, you're left with about 1950 after takes, and that's the low end of the tax progressive progression curve. Uh, and $3,000 a month is the average salary in Finland. Hmm. Mm. That's the average. Wow, our healthcare is already screwed, I, and I can't imagine that it's going to get worse. But it sounds like it will. <clears throat> How can you look at this country and find a guy like Sanders appealing? You young people are being deceived. You apparently have been so poorly educated. Yeah, they're, they're deceived by their own ignorance. Yes, you think that capitalism has, has solved the problems of more people in the world than any other system ever invented. And you would, you would turn this over to this grizzled old gizzard who uh, has never worked, never accomplished anything, but he's, you know what he's doing? He's kind of mimicking Trump in 2016. Very much so. Don't you think? Yes. Yeah. How so? Where he's just pandering? Well, and plus it, and and it's even more disingenuous of of Sanders to do it because what he's doing now is railing against the establishment. Mm -hmm. You've been the establishment, you lying fraud. Right. And currently is the establishment. Congress from 91 to 07, Senate from 07 till now, you are the establishment. But he's pretending now that he's distanced from that. Well, he basically is. He's not working. He's never worked. On Twitter Saturday, did you see he he took off after Republicans and Democrats? Mm -hmm. Well, if you're elected president, aren't you going to have to work with at least your own party? But now you're sitting and calling them names, basically, on Twitter. Is this country going to elect him? Uh, uh, when push comes uh, to shove, no, there's no, uh, there's really no, no way. No, he's he's getting Trump elected, and, and I am not panicked at all. I'm panicked that so many Americans are so <laughs> bleeping stupid mm-hmm. that they believe that. That's where that's where my fear lies. 
and it, you don't have to go to college or study a lot to understand what communism has done to countries around the world. Are you really that goddamn dumb mm-hmm. that you you can't even do some simple research? But we brought we brought this up before. But he's he's playing to the crowd that has been cultivated of not wanting to work. That's the crowd he's playing to. Is that true, Chris? Or are they just are they they're just both. D- dumb and lazy? They're both. Yes, I agree with you. I mean, how can you how can you go after these so-called capitalists and billionaires? Nobody ever talks about all the billionaires, all the employees they have, all the families that they're supporting. You know, we work for a billionaire. How many how many people work for him? Right. How many people are making a really good living right now off the backs of billionaires? Well, just listen to Bloomberg again. He'll tell remember, you. Uh, remember Bono's infamous statement. You know, we grew up in Ireland. We saw the mansion on the hill. We said, we're going to get that bastard. No. Over in this country, you saw the mansion on the hill. No. And you, Other way around. No, no. Let's start that again. <laughs> what now? Yeah. No, I had it right. No. No. Yes. No. In Ireland, they would see the mansion on the hill and want to and want to get the guy. No, no but you no, want to start no. with the someday I'm going to live in that house. Yeah. He said that's what Americans said. Right. You didn't start with that. Okay. Let me try it again. <laughs> yep. I think go. he said something to the effect that in America, yes, you, you, you Americans saw that mansion on the hill and said, someday I'm going to live there. Perfect. In Ireland, we would see the mansion on the hill and say, we're going to get that guy. Well, we've now become, we're going to get that guy. Yeah. We no longer look at the mansion on the hill and think. I've been curious about, I've encountered this, you know, uh, being an Irish person, I've encountered it a little bit myself, which is an Irish mentality, which is good for you, but don't get a big head. Meaning they, they, they are happy for you, but it's a very tricky culture where they, they kind of, they don't want you to get too big. And I think this must be a problem for you guys because you're some of the biggest stars in the world, but you go home to your country. Do you encounter that feeling ever? You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an amazing place to escape to. And Ireland is really, it's a really cool place to live and to bring up your kids and all of that kind of thing. But one of the reasons is because Irish people are so messy. And um, it's very different than in America. In America, you know, you look up the mansion on the hill and you say, you know, one day I'm going to live in that mansion. In, in, in Dublin, where we come from, especially on the north side, people look at the mansion on the hill and go, one day I'm going to get that son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've, we've become that, though. Whoa! But Some the, of us have. The, the Bernie followers... Uh, obviously came from families, large or small. They saw that their parents had to, with their job, pay for their health insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had to go see the dentist. They had to have a dental pl- uh, eye program, all that kind of stuff. Wh- where has been the cutoff where are their parents telling them, you don't need, once you're off my insurance, you don't need insurance. You should have the government pay for it. Why aren't those parents saying, you got to be ready. You're, you're hitting 25 right now. This is your time to start looking at this. Well, too many 25-year-olds are moving back home. Okay. I got to read you something from Dan Neal from the Saturday Wall Street Journal. Dan Neal's the best car writer in the world, hands down. Uh, I, I'm, I'm serious about that. In fact, you guys remember the Dan Neal story? I don't I, know. I ripped him one time yes. because he was ripping SUVs, and I falsely and prematurely assumed that he was some kind of euphorian, yep. only to grow into a, this weekly 
anticipation of reading his car columns in the Wall Street Journal because he's the best. And uh, Saturday, he devoted the entire column to the Alfa Romeo Giulia sedan. Oh, that didn't catch your attention. Oh, I read every word. I want to read you something here. Uh, Comparatively speaking, in a vehicle market increasingly dominated by dorky SUVs, machines like the Giulia are looking better and better. What we have here is a properly fun-to-drive, human-scale sports sedan with 50-50 weight distribution, rear or all-wheel drive, an 8-speed automatic with paddle shifting that can do the deed in less than 100 milliseconds, a carbon fiber drive shaft, and a limited slip differential. Uh, then he goes on to just rave and rave and rave about this car. Well, I know where you can get one. Schmelz Countryside in Maplewood, Schmelz Countryside, Volkswagen, Alfa Romeo, and Fiat. And uh, not only are Alfa Romeo Julia's gorgeous to look at, they really are that fun to drive. And if, if you can impress Dan Neal of the Wall Street Journal, who's driven everything in the world, you know you're getting really, really credible reviews from this guy. I urge you uh, GLers to go over to uh, Schmelz Countryside. It's on the southeast quadrant of Highway 61 and 36. And look at the Alfa Romeos, particularly look at the window stickers. You're going to be floored. Then, uh, then you look at the Fiats. You're going to be floored. Then you got the new Volkswagens on the ground. The, Tig, the 2020 Tiguans are in stock. This is a family dealership in the third generation. They don't own 15 stores. They just own Countryside, and it's where I purchased, I've purchased at least six cars there, and I will continue to because I've really, really enjoyed the experience. I've enjoyed the automobiles, and I've enjoyed the service. It's just uh, I can't recommend it highly enough, and when you, uh, when you visit the showroom, tell them that you are, you are a GLer. They'll be pleased to know it. So, uh, and then uh, if you want to, look up that Dan Neal piece from the Saturday Wall Street Journal if you're interested in the Alfa Romeo Giulia. Uh, Schmelz Countryside. That's uh, you got three websites. You got SchmelzVW.com, SchmelzAlfaRomeo.com, and SchmelzFiat.com. You're not done here. Don't, I know. Uh, cue me when you're done. I'll look up. And, I'm done. Um, this engine. Uh, you didn't mention this. The Quadrifoglio. Uh, a 2.9 liter bi-turbo V6 producing a molten 505 horsepower. And 443 foot-pounds of torque. That's a that's the that's the high end. Wow! That's the high end, Julia, and it's uh, it's. Does that mean you're feeling some of this when you hit that? Oh, pedal? it's just incredible. I don't. I didn't own that version, but I drove one, and it's just amazing. But Matthew, what you you're not understanding, and maybe you don't understand this at all. It's only a 2.9 liter V6. Yep. But the fact that it produces 505 horsepower with 443 uh, pounds of torque is just, it's, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's just they figured it out is what you're saying. What they can do with gas engines, oh, Joe. It's just fantastic. It's just so unbelievable. Gas engines continue to be our future. Interesting piece about that in today's uh, Star Tribune. We'll be back. Earth is not your mother. The Joe Suchere Show. The University of Minnesota's Michael Ulsterholm, and also a Garage Logic guest, uh, is editorializing in the New York Times today. Is it a pandemic yet? On Tuesday, Feb 18, no coronavirus cases had been reported in Iran. On Sunday, the government announced 43 cases and eight deaths. Some 152 cases and at least three deaths were confirmed in Italy on Sunday. 
up from three cases on Thursday. The number of infected people in South Korea jumped to 763 and six deaths in just days. As of Monday, COVID-19 was detected in at least 29 countries. In nations with few or no reported cases so far, particularly uh, in South America and Africa, the absence of evidence shouldn't be interpreted as evidence of absence. More likely, it reflects lack of testing. Is the COVID-19 outbreak now a pandemic, whether or not the World Health Organization calls it that yet? And if so, what's next? First, let's get the facts straight about what can and cannot be done. It's now clear that the epidemic was never going to be contained. At most, its spread was slowed by the lockdown imposed in China and other countries' efforts to identify infected people and anyone that might have been in contact with. It's a long piece. I'm not going to read you the whole thing. But you can take Osterholm at his word. So there, this isn't a this isn't a guy who runs around town screaming panic. This is a smart guy. So the containment was positive because it slowed it down, but it's just going to keep knocking people down like dominoes because we yep. can't fix it yet. COVID nineteen seems to spread like influenza through the air, person to person. Unlike Ebola, SARS, and MERS, individuals can transmit this coronavirus before the onset of symptoms, or even if they don't become ill. An infected person appears to spread the disease to an average of 2.6 people. After 10 generations of transmissions, with each taking about five or six days, that one initial case has spawned more than 3,500, most with no or mild symptoms, yet probably infectious. The fact that mild cases are different to differentiate from colds or the flu only complicates the diagnosis. Uh, Very, uh, very chilling. In fact, here's the word chilling. As chilling as it is to imagine this scenario of a lockdown, what happened in Wuhan, the Chinese city at the epicenter of the outbreak, will likely play out elsewhere. Hospitals might have to turn away all but the people most seriously ill. Their ability to handle their usual load of patients with heart attacks, critical injuries, or cancers may be severely compromised. Yeah, we still go to the front of the line if we've got a bad ticker and it's going on us. I don't know. Get these idiots out of our way. (laughs) Here we go. Come on. In a world ill-prepared for a potentially life-threatening, easily transmitted disease like Mm COVID-19, the most effective way to mitigate the pandemic's impact is to focus on supporting health care systems that are already over burdened. I don't know what that means. What, what, explain what that means. Uh, that's, he said that's the main reason every country's top priority should be to protect its health care workers. Oh, okay. I, I get it. The United States and other countries in the Northern Hemisphere already are in the throes of a moderately severe flu season. Their inventories of protected equipment used by doctors and nurses and emergency metal workers, me, medical workers, respirator masks, gloves, eye protection, disposable suits are running low. These limited supplies must go to health care workers first rather than the public is what he means. I got you. This is partly to ensure that hospitals themselves do not become the sites where the coronavirus is spread more than it is contained. If infected health care workers die in large numbers, entire societies may be shaken to the point of panic. All right. When do we stop paying our bills? <laughs> when do I break the glass smoke lucky? You just took one. You're one state closer right now. I think I am. It's I, just amazing. I googled uh, coronavirus just to you know symptoms. Blah blah blah. Don't say blah blah. blah. I'm sorry. You're. I, it, yeah. I found this story from the Atlantic. The headline. Mm-hmm. You're likely to get the coronavirus. Okay then. Hey. As soon as you started talking about this, I started coughing. The second you started talking about it. <laughs> Do you now have I, it? Now I'm I can't control breathing. it. 
What I'm puzzled by is how do you know you got it? It sounds like you could just think, oh, I got a cold. A co- yeah, it sounds like a respiratory whatever. Then what? But yeah. you had a line in that story that said, in a world that's ill-prepared, how, how can we be? We're more advanced in every area than we've ever been. How are we doing here in Minnesota? That's I think he place. means uh, ill-prepared in the sense that he, he wants to make sure that healthcare workers are the most prepared, that they have the equipment so they, they need. So they can deal with it. So they can deal with it. I don't think he's suggesting that the United States is is ill prepared. Uh, he's suggesting that this could become so uh, potentially life threatening that how do you prepare for that? It, it it sounds like it would be very difficult to. He while he writes, government should conduct COVID nineteen preparedness drills in local hospitals and expand hospitals' temporary capacity, for example, by setting up emergency tents in parking lots as is already happening in some places tents. in the United States. Test tents. Yeah. Ugh. To minimize the strain on overstressed acute care hospitals, supportive nursing care might have to be provided in makeshift facilities and in patients' homes, as was done during the severe pandemics in the past, such as the great influenza of 1918-19. Hmm. The manufacturing and distribution chains for drugs and other vital products like needles and syringes must remain open, and that, given the global nature of the industry, requires international cooperation. In keeping with World Health Organization guidelines, coronavirus-stricken countries shouldn't be walled off the way that the U.S. and others are trying to do with China at the moment. Otherwise, as the virus spreads, we will be isolating ourselves and will jeopardize our ability to obtain critical resources. Is this the ultimate... uh nature is bigger than man in your face. Yeah. Nature's reminder that you guys got all this stuff, but Mm -hmm. we got you. I am reading a February 12th story that says 82% of the cases are mild. Well, that's that's good. Gives you some hope. But for people with, uh, like Kenny said, with underlying heart disease, diabetes, or other conditions, it can be quite severe. Those are the ones dominating the ranks of the dead, often after pneumonia and other respiratory problems lead to organ failure. Let's be serious. I really don't care about anybody else but me. (laughs) Right. Um, right. I think we all know that. Leads me to the question, how many people have had it here in Minnesota, and how many uh, of those people have you clowns come in contact with? Uh, my answer would be, to my knowledge, none. So we're good. I just have Fire major dengue. Yeah. Not the Let me uh, conclude uh, okay. Mr. Osterholm's piece. Dengue. And what so. should each of us do beyond staying informed and washing our hands frequently? Keep calm. It might be worth stocking some reserve of critical medications, for example, but not too much because hoarding could create shortages. We as individuals can also try to plan for basic contingencies. Companies can cross-train key staff members so that one person's absence won't derail the business. Family members and friends should be watchful of one another's health and welfare and stand prepared to care for the moderately ill if hospitals become overtaxed. Pandemic isn't just a technical public health term. It also is or should be a rallying cry. Michael Osterholm, of course, is the director for the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. He wrote this with Mark uh, Olshaker, uh, a writer and documentary filmmaker. They are the authors of The Deadliest Enemy, Our War Against Killer Germs. Hmm. But I, I, I take Osterholm to heart, having gotten to know him however peripherally over the years right. yeah. he he's he's the he's the real deal this isn't the uk sun telling you that right you know there's mushroom clouds in the sky <laughs> yeah he's not prone to panic no. well it's funny no. you guys get nervous about how you could possibly catch it because uh 
Boy, earlier today, my friend that works at the airport when that uh, ch- uh, Chinese plane came in and all those people came out with the masks on, um, it you was quite now. a sight to see. Leave now. <laughs> leave this it was building. Quite a sight to see. You know what I realized? My blue collar son is uh, embedded out at the airport working for a company out there. Well, Delta's not flying to uh, China until April 30th. I, I got a son in law who's a pilot. Well, he's not going to China. Oh, no. Oh. No, so those are those. That part of it is bad. I'm more worried about the cruise ships that have been everywhere around the world, and that's who's getting most of the publicity when they isolate everything to make sure everybody's healthy. Well, I ain't getting on no cruise ship. You don't want to? No. You, you talk more and more like you're from Douglas County every yeah. day. I ain't getting on no. I ain't getting yeah, on no. Yeah, no. I ain't going to take and get on no cruise yeah, ship. I ain't getting on no big boat like that. <laughs> you going to get on the boat or no? No way. Fit or no. Good up, right? you come up to the farm with me, Stay, Suits, stay with in. the boat. <laughs> the boat. The boat. Yeah. Did you guys hear about the Zamboni driver? I oh, love this. man. Best story of the year. Somebody called it hockey porn. I thought that yes, was wonderful. Yes, that's a perfect there was a, there was a tweet out that showed some yeah. of the players that were on the ice. Well, the guy is a Toronto Maple Leaf employee. Yeah. I didn't know this. Well, he used to be. Right. No, no. Gonna, <laughs> the, the Canes just signed him. I think the governor of North Carolina made him an honorary citizen. That's cool. <laughs> he only made eight saves, remember. But they were eight crucial yeah, saves. Yeah, but he made them in the NHL. That's, that's right. No, Come I'm not. I, you know, but here's what I learned. Every NHL home team must have a person such as this in the stands. You didn't know that until and Saturday? That, I, I guess I vaguely did. Because it get, happened here. They get 500 bucks. It did. Yeah. Yeah. They get 500 bucks. one-page contract. And uh, it was this guy. This guy obviously had a history of w- wanting to be a goalie in the NHL. He right? was the designated survivor, and and uh, he got the call. But does does he work out? He had a kidney transplant 15 years ago and wasn't sure if he'd ever play hockey again. He's been a practice goalie with the Leafs and the club's American Hockey League okay. affiliate, the right. Toronto Marlies, okay. for the past eight years. He's from Whitby, Ontario. Uh, and he, he he was brilliant. It was wonderful. But, but it's not as if they pulled Kenny out of. So he has I, a little bit. I, can't I still stop. love the story. I can't stop thinking. He's getting paid $500 a night to go be at the arena. Is that uh, is that no, correct? Or is he, is it, every, does he get the money if he gets paid? I don't place. know. Every you, home game he gets 500 bucks. Well, I don't know. That's a good question. Do you get the money even plus, if you don't play? Plus he gets to drive. He just happens to be a Zamboni driver? Well, well not not uh, not at Social Bank. He's a uh he's a Zamboni driver in their minor league system. Oh. For a rink in their minor league oh, system. I, okay. All right. But you know the porn part? Were the Maple Leafs coming up to him after the game? Yeah. Yeah. The That's hockey, him, man. Yeah. Yeah. Giving him the pad, you know, giving him the poke and <laughs> the pad. Cool. He had a Toronto Maple Leafs t-shirt on under his <laughs> under Canes his jersey. jersey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was just wonderful. You just think his tongue, uh, stomach was all tied up in oh, knots? Oh, God, and, yes. Uh, he had some uh, digestive issues. Oh, Here's man. what I want to know. How was work on Sunday? Like, Fred, you know right. what? What are you doing <laughs> here? How was work, honey? <laughs> well, well, you know. Speaking of honey, you know how I found out about this? His wife tweeted, "Bleep me!" Yeah. with an exclamation point. Right. That, and I thought, what the hell's this all about? Yeah. Clicked around and finally got oh, to he's been, there. He's been the emergency goalie in Toronto for about half the games this season, and is available to either team. Uh, and uh, to either team, really? To, e- to either huh. team? Well, sure, right. 
uh, God, this is a long story I'm reading about this guy. Uh, and both teams are in the playoff hunt. Toronto and the Canes are in the playoff hunt. It was just fantastic stuff. It was a great story. Chris, do you remember the details? That's of what our, I'm trying to look. Because I remember we we discussed it. What? Okay. It had to be uh, December, within the last five years. December right? 21st, 2015, the Minnesota Wild uh, had to bring in their emergency goalie. I'm looking at the story. I can't find his name. I was at a Saints game. That's the St. Paul Saints in hockey. the International Hockey League. Yeah, the hockey team. In yeah. the early 60s. And the call went out. We need a goalie. And it literally might have just been some guy who never played goalie before, but was willing to go down there and put the stuff on. Mm. Or perhaps uh, I'm naive. Maybe mm-hmm. even back then they had standbys who knew mm-hmm. what they were doing. Minnesota Wild signs 51-year-old print shop executive as emergency backup goalie for tonight's game. Sweet. Really? Yeah. 51 years old? 51. And this guy was 42 here in... Yeah, he's the oldest player to ever win his first NHL game. I've sent a text to Painter, and I've yeah. sent a text to Carl Wetzel. Yeah, I saw Carl Wetzel last night at the NHL alumni room at the Wild game. Yeah, and I also ran into Pete Lopresti, the uh, Gilles Malash, his predecessor. Yeah. Yeah. And he is a. I introduced myself, and he says I love Garage Logic. Really? So Good. Pete is a listener to the podcast. Did you find out any information on that Russian stick? Uh, Throw it in the fire. Yes, it was. Uh, my sister gave it to to Matthew, and he, he had it for years. We didn't know what to do with it. Bart, my brother-in-law, was at the airport with some Russian guys. They traded sticks. This was 89, so it wasn't a big, you know, 1980. So it's a member of those 79 national team that traded some sticks. They had just left the You just center. don't know who the names are on it. No, but somebody said they were trying to figure it out. I can't. They're not legible. And one other hockey note, since we're talking about it, Parisi? Uh, that's what I was just looking up, too. It, it looks like there is a trade works in place for Parisi to be going to the New York Islanders. Yeah. And of However, course, it's it, not confirmed yet. And, of course, everybody's reaction to that is his no cl- uh, trade clause. He has, a, a, according to Mike Russo, Mike's pretty plugged in, yeah. uh, he has agreed to waive it. Koivu won't waive his. No, he will not. But he's done. This is a yeah, farewell we don't tour need, anyway. We don't need to get rid of Koivu, though. Why don't we come back and... Uh... Let, me, let me give you some just some quick hockey notes here. I heard from Painter, uh, who said the other day, you got to get hyped to stop using the word film when reporting about something being recorded. Nobody uses film anymore and hasn't for years. Drives me bleeping nuts when oh, he does that. What a hipster. What is he, 23? <laughs> well, Steve Payne? I think, aren't you pushing? Uh, I'm not going to get into an argument age. with Painter. <laughs> Otherwise, hope that you're well. I'm three months post-open heart surgery to correct oh, an aortic aneurysm. Painter? Cow. Yeah. And here's a picture of his, uh, his uh, heart pillow. Yep. So, so he's, he's healing up listening to the podcast. Clutching the pillow. I just, got one of those. Yeah. And then uh, he said, good question. I don't know about the goalie thing, but Carl Wetzel chimes in with only if he plays. And Carl would know that. He okay. gets the money. Yeah. Let's All come right. back with John Height. It's just like Dylan said, stay forever young. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Suchere. Okay, fellas. Rook, put your headphones on. Talk to me, Goose. We're going to have a little uh, GL quiz here. You're going to have to guess 
the pun. Oh. So I want you to guess the pun. You're going to have to hang on my every word here to figure it out. Now, um, my grandpa Olson always said, if you want to maintain peaceable relationships with others, there are three things you don't talk about. Politics, religion, and money, especially money. You don't ask people how much they make or uh, how much they paid for something. And I'll only add one caveat to that. It's okay to ask if it involves something you purchased from our favorite gun shop, DKMags.com in New Brighton. Hopefully you already know that DK Mags, they've got the best prices around. Uh, they can pretty much price match near nearly all firearms and accessories you'll find elsewhere. So if you see something listed for less, uh, don't worry. There's a darn good chance you're going to get that for that price or even better at DK Mags. Where's the pun part? Um, uh, and all, all you got to do is... Pick up the phone, log on, send them an email, or better yet, go up to uh, Old Highway 8 in New Brighton, find out what the fellas at the shop said. You have any <laughs> idea where I'm going here? No. Yeah, I think so. Here's your hint. DK Mags wants to ensure you are getting the best value for your money every time. Yeah. DK Mags. What's the pun? With DK with You're DK supposed Mags, to guess. You're doing fine. Just That's come a, up here. This, no, we're we not rhyming. Line. We're not okay. rhyming. Oh, I, I think I Best bang for the buck. There you yes, go. Yes! Yes! Oh. <laughs> Good job. You're welcome. Good job. You're welcome. DK Mags wants to ensure you get the it. best bang for your buck. Yep. It's a gun pun. I get it. Got I it. love Thanks. it. Thanks for playing double. <laughs> yeah, you get it. You get it. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't forget about Monticello Pawn and Gun, another <laughs> valued member of the DKMags.com family up in Monticello. They're, G- G- uh, they're GLers. They're geeks. <laughs> yeah, they're gun geeks. They're GLers, and they're the best. Little gun shop around dkmags.com. Here's Johnny Height. Thank you, Joe. One man was killed, one injured in a shooting that happened inside Rouge at the Lounge nightclub in downtown Minneapolis early Sunday morning. According to the police department, officers responded to multiple 911 calls stating that shots were being fired inside the building on the 400 block of 2nd Avenue North. Do you know this place, Reeves? I do. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. That's a bad. Bad part of uh, downtown on Friday and Saturday night and Sunday nights. Where is it specifically? It's right next to Cowboy Jacks. It's about a block away oh, from okay. Target Field. Okay, I know exactly where that is. Ooh. Authorities got uh, on scene, described it as chaotic. Officers located an adult male in his 20s who was suffering from a gunshot wound. At the time, police say the victim did not have a pulse, was not breathing. However, after officers began chest compressions and chest seals were applied, a heartbeat was reestablished. He was transported to Hennepin County Medical Center, where he later died from his injuries. Officers were successful in getting the scene under control and spoke with several witnesses. Uh, HCMC called the police, saying another adult male in his 20s walked into their emergency room with a gunshot wound not considered to be life-threatening. It is believed to be related to the other shooting incident. The staff from the department's crime lab arrived, processed the scene, collecting evidence for further analysis. Police said the suspect, who's not yet in custody, was armed with a 40 caliber handgun, according to dispatch audio, described as uh, as tall, at least six foot five with long dreadlocks and wearing a dark jacket and no shirt. What's this? No shirt. It's not that outfit. warm. Yeah. That's, that's a nice outfit. Jacket and no shirt. Uh, what is your... Interpretation. What is it? The gang activity, young punks? Uh, uh, disrespected. Somebody it's, was disrespected. It's probably that crowd. But there is a there is a lot of drug activity that goes on in that area. Really too bad. And what's the solution? The police need to be unhandcuffed. You can't and, pin this on the cops. This is one This is one bad I know no, the I'm solution. Saying, I pin it on the mayor. I know the solution. The Stay out of downtown. 
I ain't going down. There. Oh, but there's so many. It's probably not a type of club that would have me anyway. You're pr- you're not their clientele, <laughs> no, Joe. No. But that's what that's what bugs me is there are a lot of really great places downtown, yes. and and a lot of great people that rely on that as income. And it's stories like this that bug me because it could be prevented. A big pile of construction debris on top of buried drums of industrial waste has neighbors near the old Fort Plant site in St. Paul calling for cleanup of the area. The Pollution Control Agency has documented pollution buried at the site, which sits adjacent to Hidden Falls Regional Park as far back as 1940, when Ford Motor Company put barrels of paints and solvents into the ground at a spot called Area C until about 1960. Ford stopped burying those drums and capped the existing barrels with the cement slab and then allowed construction debris to be piled on top of the cement. Now that area has pollution and debris stacked seven stories high and three football fields wide. So Why this, don't I see this, this when I drive by? It's below the bluffs down at Hidden Falls, right? Yes, exactly. Right, oh. I would say between the power plant and the north end of Hidden Falls, correct? Probably where we... No, south of downriver of the tunnel. Oh, okay. So a little further downriver. The pollution pile does, From not, what I can tell. Okay. does not affect the redevelopment of the old Ford plant site, uh, which is, of course, just across <laughs> the river boulevard. Just east of so this is below the hill. Falls. Boss, yes. what should we do with this stuff? Just set it down there in 1928 <laughs> or whatever. It's kind of the way it was back yeah. in those days. <laughs> but okay. so it's, it's buried. And then capped, but then they started then piling stuff. Construction on top. debris on top of it. How? Yeah. I wonder how often that area is flooded. Quite frequently. Well, that's yeah, uh, that's the folks who are complaining said it's right on a floodplain, so it just goes downstream right down to. Well, it's, that, that stuff's faded then to leach into the river. Right. Yeah, you would think so. Yeah. Yes. Well, at least it goes downstream, Joe. Yeah, we don't have it up here. Yeah, we don't care. <laughs> right, it's not in our neighborhood. Wow. St. Louis, good luck. Good luck to you. Luck have, to you. Have, sure. fun. have fun. Light the river on fire. Dummies. <laughs> Authorities at the scene of a fatal crash in Egan Monday morning. It happened at Johnny Cake Ridge Road in Sherwood Way. Egan police reported two vehicles were involved in what appeared to be a head-on collision. At about 5.40, police responded to the scene and said both drivers were found unresponsive and pronounced dead. No passengers in either vehicle. Police said the identities of the drivers have not yet been released, pending notification of family. Uh, Joe, as you said, Senator Bernie Sanders, leading Democratic presidential candidate, said in a new interview it's unfair to classify everything as being bad in Cuba under Fidel Castro. What a shame. Name the good, please. Just a shame. Yeah. 60 Minutes, an interview, he said, we're very opposed to the authoritarian nature of Cuba, but you know, it's unfair to simply say everything is bad. You know, when Fidel Castro came into office, you know what he did? He had a massive literacy program. Which has been debunked. Is that a bad thing, even though Fidel Castro did it? His remarks came in response to questions about comments he made in the 80s, saying the Cuban people did not rise up because of education and health care. Host Anderson Cooper followed up by noting that a lot of dissidents have been imprisoned in Cuba. Sanders said, that's right, we condemn that. Unlike <laughs> Donald Trump, let's be, uh, let's be clear, you want to. I do not think that Kim Jong-un is a good friend. I don't trade love letters with a murdering dictator. Vladimir Putin, not a great friend of mine. With Sanders' comments on Castro drew bipartisan pushback Sunday night after the interview aired. Sanders uh, now leading the Democratic presidential primary field after winning in New Hampshire and Nevada. I know people that have lost friends over this upcoming election. Isn't where they that terrible? Refuse to acknowledge the existence. They hate each other. Or I should, to put it properly, the left-leaning friend hates 
the conservative. I wouldn't and, know anything about that. And will not. <laughs> Tell no, yeah, more. It, it's nothing like what you deal with or what goes on among adults where we all get along. I mean, these young kids will not. They will unfriend you, and you are persona non grata. It's, it's intolerance. Gosh. Yeah, it, it's it's unbelievable. That's how you have to learn how to get along with people. That's well, preach of the choir here. <laughs> Stocks fell sharply. I mean, we all still pretty much get along with John, don't we? <laughs> oh, yeah, ouch! He's all wow. right. Wow. Guitar playing commie. I'm not well, a speaking of that. Speaking of that, I'm quite John. Conservative. Just actually. a sad, sad note. Uh oh. From uh, Chief Offsite Correspondent Kelsey. I, I debated uh, uh, to whether to even bring this up. Oh, no. <laughs> what, what oh, is don't it? hurt his feelings. Oh, John. I don't care. John, it's, it's just terrible. Uh, Chief Offsite Car- Correspondent Kelsey notes, when the leader of the band becomes a socialist, it's always the drummer who gets hurt. <laughs> and he found the John Height News Experience drum kit in a pawn shop. Oh, man. In a pawn in shop. In a pawn shop? Oh. Are, is Joe selling his drums? Joe sold his drums to Kurt. And Kurt's got a <laughs> Coming to you live. Yeah. I'd like the liquidation of all my accounts. Oh, that's sad. What was the price? Hell, I'll buy them. <laughs> I can't see the price. They don't listen to the show, do they, John? Well, Kurt listens every day. Oh, good. Hey, Kurt. Hey, Kurt. What are you doing? That is What'd cool. What'd you get for those drums, Kurt? Who painted that? That head. I, that's uh, cool, that. very cool. Uh, Joe, I think it was it Joe's brother-in-law has a business he does. I have two of those, actually. You want to sign? I can yeah. get you. you got I, got I can get that right painted for you. Would it be wrong to walk into <laughs> I, the pawn shop with a brand new kick head and just go, uh, I'll give you 20 bucks if in this ad? I think what's as interesting is what was Kelsey doing in a pawn shop? More importantly. Oh, I go into yeah. pawn shops sometimes to look at instruments. Let me see that, Kenny. Search, you, you've got to buy those. I think I should. Go up there today. I don't even know what pawn shop. Well, you know oh. how to get a hold of Kelsey. Yeah. Wow. Two I, hi hats. Huh. I'll email him right now, Joe. Pawn America. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, this will be somewhere where there's traffic. I don't want to go. Suits here from Pawn America Pawn Shops. Is you know where I got my drums? Traffic. I wonder if it's music go round. Oh. No. Well, no. I'm sorry, John. I didn't mean that's, to, that's okay. I didn't yeah. mean to disrupt your flow. Hang I, on to that you know, for, for all the GLers who keep calling me a socialist. I, I dislike Bernie Sanders almost as much as I dislike Donald Trump. Yeah, I know. Whoops! Oh, and I let oh, that slip out. <laughs> Jay Height at GarageLogic. You're politically lonely. I think I'm beyond lonely yeah. at this point. I got yeah. nowhere to go. Uh, I, in all seriousness, I think you represent a great deal of the country right now. Well, I don't for cons- for the conservative party, maybe. Uh, stocks falling sharply Monday morning as the number of coronavirus cases outside China surge, stoking fears of prolonged global economic slowdown from the virus spreading. Uh, let's see, as of now, the down, uh, Dow is down 953 points. That's about, <laughs> about 3.29%. Uh, How are my real oh, estate holdings doing? Oh. They're doing well? Still going uh, up in value? Okay. It, now, it, it was above for the year, of course, and now it's below almost 2% for the year. With the, we've lost 2% of it this year, so... Uh, it's on pace for its biggest... Don't worry, Joe. The coronavirus is going to get us anyway. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> Won't even matter. I guess there's that way to look at it. Monday's drop uh, on the Dow uh, could be the biggest one-point drop since August of last year uh, when it lost 800 points in one day. I wonder yeah. why. What was the reason last August? That I, I don't, don't remember. Know. Yeah, I don't remember anything happening. No, sure recovered nicely from that. I might grab a whole bottle of bourbon and watch the entire Bachelor show tonight. This will uh, uh, straighten itself out. What? Uh, meanwhile, President Trump taking some guff for budget recommendations because of the coronavirus. Uh, virus, virus? 
They include uh, his recommendations, a 12% cut to U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and a 10% cut for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. At CDC, a reduction of that magnitude equates to $750 million spending cut over the fiscal year of 2019. Uh, the CDC, the White House budget, calls for more than $236 million cut to chronic D, a disease prevention. Great Living American, when Katherine Johnson began working at the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics, or NACA, in 1953, she was classified as sub-professional not far outranking a secretary or a janitor. What was she, John? Uh, well, we'll get to it. She will get to it. Hers was a labor not of scheduling or cleaning, but rather of mathematics. Using her slide rule or mechanical calculator and complex calculations to check the work of her superiors, engineers who, unlike her, were white and male, her title, uh, poached by the technology John, that John, was, uh, Yes. Uh, Joe Reavers, leave the room. Both of you. I'm fine. I'm here. Are you, are you sure? I'm, I'm okay. Reavers? Yep. Good. You okay? Yep. Mrs. Johnson died February 24th at the age of 101. Boy, that's old, isn't it? Developed equations that helped the NACA and its successor, NASA, send astronauts into orbit and later to the moon. In 26 signed reports for the space agency. Is this still the story about this old gal? <laughs> what was she? She was the uh, math worker, right? She was a math That's wizard. correct. Remember a couple years ago they made a movie about uh, those oh, yeah. folks. Yep. She was not the first black woman to work as a NASA mathematician. I didn't know she was an African-American woman. I said that earlier. I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. I was a little distracted. I was a little distracted. I've never heard the word before. You guys are unbelievable. I said you're acting like one. Like most backstage... Like most backstage oh, members. I didn't say you were. Okay. That's right. You just said you were okay. acting like Big one. Big distinction. Yeah. You got me. Now, now I have to leave go. the room. Right. Can't even remove yourself. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to write. Let me write this No, out. we're okay. done with the news. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, let's go to break. We'll see you later. Here. Thanks a lot. We'll be here go. again. Here we go. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. Minneapolis has paused its plans to issue municipal ID cards in parts in part because of concerns that the information could be used to identify immigrants for deportation. Uh, Mayor Jacob Fry said Friday. I had a rights he like. Uh-huh. Still do. Gas attack. Okay. The discussions about how and whether to proceed come at a time when many cities are looking for ways to resist immigration enforcement under Trump. Shortly before he formally announced his re-election bid, Trump said he would deport millions of illegal aliens. There have been major changes in, obviously, the leadership of the United States since city officials began pushing for a municipal ID program, Fry said. And we do want to make sure these people are signing up for the ID card are protected. Minneapolis is not the only city to pursue a municipal ID card. New Haven, Connecticut was among the first. Other major cities with ID programs, including New York and Philadelphia, have grappled with similar concerns over protecting data. Minneapolis, you see, anybody see where I'm going with this? Minneapolis approved the creation of a municipal ID program in 2018, but had been discussing it for many years. When the measure came before the city council, more than a dozen people spoke in favor of the cards, saying they could help not only immigrants, but also transgender people, the homeless, and children under 16. Having a form of identification was crucial, they said, to opening a bank account, receiving health care, and in some cases picking up children from school. 
Anybody yet see where I'm going with this? Mm. The information obtained by the city when people aptly apply, <laughs> aptly? When people apply for municipal <laughs> ID would be public under the Minnesota Government Data Practices Act. Anyone, including federal immigration authorities, could access it. Minneapolis leaders are watching two measures proposed in the legislature. One sponsored by Asia Gomez in the House of Representatives uh, and another one by uh, somebody else, both Minneapolis DFLers. Oh, another a bill sponsored by House Majority Leader Ryan Winkler, uh, DFL Golden Valley, would make it easier for many immigrants to obtain driver's licenses without having to prove that they're in the country legally. Fry said that he would reduce the need for a municipal ID. Still, they're meeting to discuss how to proceed. They initially estimated the program would cost two hundred grand in the first year, with unknown costs in the future. Love that part. The unknown costs in the future. <laughs> Fry said he remains committed to the concept of municipal IDs, but added, "If we can if we can get it done at a statewide level, that would be the best case scenario." Anybody see where I wanted to take this? As my friend Alan Fram noted, uh, these are the same people that tell you you don't need any ID to vote. Oh, oh, good point. Sorry. Same people that say you, you don't need ID to vote. Yeah. The city of Minneapolis wants to issue IDs to residents because having a form of ID is crucial, yet these are the same people who tell us we shouldn't need an ID to vote. By allowing anyone, including illegals, to get an ID at the municipal level, they are seeking to legitimize the illegitimate. Hmm. But you don't need an ID to vote. These people are, are, are can't link. They're horrible. They're they're mysterious. They just don't, there's no consistency to their thinking. There's no standards, and they're not very smart. Um, I wasn't going to go that way. I was, I was actually thinking about and wondering how many people uh, Obama had deported. I have so, no idea. Did you look it up? Uh, I looked it up, and this is from The Hill, November uh, 2019. The Trump administration has deported fewer overall people than were deported under former President Obama, despite the ongoing crackdown. The Obama administration deported 1.18 million people in his first three years. The number of de- deportations has been a little under 800,000 so far under Trump. Uh, the Obama administration also deported 409,000 people in 2012 alone, while the Trump administration has yet to deport more than 260,000 people in a year. That was from November of last year. A forgotten stat, huh? So even though Trump is evil and he's deporting people, he's deported far, far less than what the Obama administration did in the same time period. You know what we haven't had yet? A best beer from a female. I would like to the hear The best that. beer category mm-hmm. continues to grow mm-hmm. in popularity. <clears throat> Jessica, who uh, is, I think, Hannah's uh, mom. Um, yes, mother. Here's a best beer that none of you can ever enjoy, mm. which, oddly, makes it more enjoyable. <laughs> the first beer after having a baby. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Truly wonderful, yeah. she notes. Not that we don't deserve one. Right. I mean, right. Jesus, we had to be in the. Same <laughs> we had to room. take you to the hospital. Yeah. Right? I brought a. I brought a cooler when she had McLaren. <laughs> Such had to sit down in the bar. Yeah, that was traumatic. With Paul this. Paul Danville Dan Klovic in Greensboro, Greensboro, North Carolina writes: I was 15 or 16, and my dad and I went on a weekend camping trip to the Ozark Mountains in southern Missouri. We fly fished for trout, caught and released many, but kept two nice rainbows for dinner. While the trout was sizzling on the campfire, my dad reached into his cooler and pulled out a couple of bottles of Budweiser, handed me one, and said, 
Don't Tell Mom. <laughs> that was a good beer. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. The Don't Tell Mom beer. <laughs> uh, remember we were discussing the uh, crib that the uh, right. Europeans tried to build uh, fossil-free and it ended up costing $28,000? Yeah. Uh, Matt writes, give me an axe, a jackknife, and a six-pack. I'll get you a carbon-free <laughs> crib by 3 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite beers was the Don't Sass beer. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. That was a, that was a good one. That was like my fourth. Hail the Flashlight King. Hail, Hail you. you. Patrick, writing from the University of Alaska in Anchorage, writes, at the end of Friday's episode, you read a story about some Europeans trying to make a statement with their $28,000 fossil fuel-free crib. Well, good news, boys. I know where you can get yourself one of those cribs for a fraction of that cost. You don't even have to leave the country. The Amish and Mennonites have been making motor and tenon furniture for years. Who is? Who, the Mennonites who's making who? those? Who's making them? The Amish. Ah, the Amish. Huh? Amish? Yes, Miles. I understand you. <laughs> What's mortar and tenon mean, Matthew? That I don't know. Mortar and tenon. Here's a hole. Here's a peg. They go together. Mortar and tenon. That's how the Amish do it, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. We're going to make me a nail out of wood. What? Invasive turtles are wreaking havoc in New York City. Oh. And Jordy notes, I like turtles. Bloomberg likes to stop and frisk them. <laughs> How do we end up with invasive Whoa. turtles? Jordy, uh, people release their pets. Jordy also notes that, uh, have you seen uh, a half a billion in new money? Many, many Minnesota school districts are in the red. And and he just is quoting an old uh, garage logic bromide here. It, it, when it comes to education, it's never enough. Yeah. It'll never yeah. ever be enough. Uh, and a dedicated uh, flat earther died after attempting yeah. to launch himself five thousand feet with a homemade rocket. Hard to believe that wouldn't work out for him. Wiley Coyote was his hero. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And Scott Matura, executive chef at Bucks out in uh, Montana. Word. Joe, listening to the podcast with a great conversation with Rob McClanahan and the wonderful memories of that 1980 Olympic team. You were all discussing what time it was on, where you watch it, etc. And one thing you always say tied directly into this event. You always talk about how there was a time when we all did things together when Americans believed they were united. Mm -hmm. Well, I went to school and church at Maternity of Mary on Dale Street, and I distinctly remember the father, the priest, making the announcement immediately after communion that Mass would be dismissed early so we could all get home to watch the Americans play Finland for the gold medal. So he's talking about Sunday. Today is the anniversary of the gold medal, Mm -hmm. Feb 24. I remember every single adult, teacher, student, and friend went directly home to watch. Americans, particularly Minnesotans, due to all the Gophers on the team, were united that weekend, a weekend only rivaled by September 11, 2001. Hmm. I would say it was probably December 7th, 1941, you had okay. some togetherness. I watched that movie last night. I think you had some togetherness <sighs> in November of 1963 when, when Kennedy was assassinated. Sure. Yeah, I think the yeah, whole country yeah. came together. And the good old NFL didn't let us down because they played that weekend. <laughs> Which what I movie still did you watch. what did you uh, watch last night? Nineteen seventeen. Did you? You oh, didn't yeah. text anything out, did you? Yeah, I wanted to let you guys know what was going was on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. people trying to sleep. And it goes off at four a, four a.m. Four a.m. I did. I texted. Why don't you morons turn your phones off when I you go have to bed? A, I have a twenty-year-old. So you I, waiting for the? Uh, oh, yeah, it's the, the, the Judas Priest call. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> She's got all sorts of faith in him, but you know, it's yeah. I don't have a house phone, so I have to leave my phone out anyway, just in case for emergencies. So that's my. Yeah, alarm. You gotta, you gotta Me too. fight this urge. Yeah. You know, the, the the idea I came up with. 
is we need to put a breathalyzer on his phone. That's a, like it a won't great activate idea. if it like starting the car. Just blow into the phone. You know who would be the biggest advocate for that? Me. Right. And then it, then it would be this. Why am I getting texts from but Reaver's you weren't wife? tweeting. You were texting. I was doing a little bit of both. Like he put some stuff on Facebook. Yeah. He put some stuff on Twitter. Oh, my God. What is wrong with him? I was embracing the moment. But you've been oh, at this. Years ago. You've been at this pursuit of blackout drunk your whole life. Yep. it's your hobby, blackout drunk. One I don't think. I don't think that's true. You'd think, think you'd get good at it. Yeah, I know. That's why I gotta so, keep practicing. Last week, Kenny lectured us off air. Now he's lecturing us on air. No, I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah. Stop. That was it one of the great lines in uh, work anyway. from Churchill <laughs> when the king asked him, Winston, how do you drink so much? Practice. Practice. <laughs> the only reason, John, let me address that. The reason I'm just kidding. Uh, the reason I, I lecture you guys on and off the air uh-huh. about this alcohol yeah. is <laughs> it's because, I, and it's tough for me to yeah, admit God, this. Speak to me. I, I like you guys. Oh, oh for Christ's sake. Oh. <laughs> Judas Priest. Judas Priest. I, I, I'm I praying. I'm praying. I only lecture people I like. And, I'll be editing this know, part I, out, too. I, 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 like I would. I, would. I, I like I you would. guys. Really? Play I'm gonna, something for us, I'm going to play some yeah. nice music. Yeah. Yeah. We're all right, Do we fellas. like the fuzzy Kenny that yes. wants yeah. to The cats in the cradle and the silver Oh, yeah, that would hit me this weekend. I just... I hate to see you go down this road, this dark road of alcoholism and tears Kenny, and aches. Shut Kenny, up. what the hell's wrong with you? Rosacea and red noses. Right. Are you done? Just, yeah. Just, yeah, we are. Let's thank. break. Just try Kenny, to be better. You. Try to be better. Okay. Your, your family loves you, and so do I. Is that his cylinder index or his golf score? Either way, it's a big number. Here's Joe Suchere. Joe, I want you to know that we came to visit Minnesota this weekend from Spokane, Washington. We were celebrating my son's 12th birthday and visiting family. There was one main thing that he wanted to do on this trip, visit Grunhofer's. So off to Hugo we went, three pounds of jerky later, we were happy campers. Thanks for having amazing partners that we can learn about, even if we are normally on the other side of the country. That's uh, Three Putt Joe sent this, and he also uh, linked me to a uh, piece on climate change, which proves it to be folly. Uh, all hail the flashlight king. Hail, hail you. you, sir. Hail. Yep. I'm not sure I can re- relay all of this in one short email. My wife and I made the 452-mile trip from Lincoln, Nebraska to Grunhofer's in our Tahoe. It is truly a meat palace. It's hard to know what to get and how to limit ourselves, so we got it all. We purchased meatloaf, jerky, ring bologna, summer sausage, bratwurst, egg roll, maple, bacon, cheese, curd, loaded baked potato, whiskey, peppercorn, and my personal favorite, wild rice, and many more. Most importantly, two different kinds of breakfast sausage for our National Pancake Day Feast on Tuesday, tomorrow, Feb 25. Since we had come so far, we couldn't resist adding three more stops to our trip. We celebrated my birthday at Jack's Cafe on Friday night and enjoyed brunch at 30 Bales on Saturday. (laughs) At 30 Bales, we got the waitstaff's attention when she overheard my wife, Sue, asking me how good my omelet tasted. I replied by telling Sue that the omelet is a lot better than Chris Reaver's baseball analysis. (laughs) (laughs) Our our family is currently embroiled in a debate about which of the two restaurants is better. We will need to get back and try both of them again. We also checked out Fratelloni's Lexington Avenue store when visiting our daughter at Bethel University. 
Thank the staff for all the great tips and keep up the good work. Good luck, David Chapman. There's your, there's your, well, uh, he might Spencer. A, there's your ad today. He might just be in a, a little bit of trouble though, claiming they're coming up to see the daughter at Bethel, yeah. but they're saying I went up to see Grunhofer. Well, can That's, you imagine coming to coming to the, the Twin Cities with a budget the same way you would if you went out to Vegas? Yeah. Well, I've got five thousand dollars I can afford to lose right. at the tables. <laughs> That's Grunhofer's old fashioned meats in Hugo, right on the north end of Hugo on Highway. 61, you can't miss it. I'm going to let my listeners do the talking for me. Mm-hmm. Say, how did we miss this story, or did we cover this story? Please help me. Uh, the city of Minneapolis has settled with the family of Terrence Franklin for 795000 closing the books on a dispute in federal court more than six years after he was fatally shot by Minneapolis police. Did we talk about this? We did not, I don't think. It was we? in the news last week. Last it was, week, yeah. uh, it was uh, this is a piece dated Feb 14 in the Tribune. The city council approved the payment after a brief closed-door meeting Friday morning. Mayor Jacob Fry will approve it, according to spokesman Dar- Darwin Forsyth. Uh, this was a tragedy for everyone, city council president Lisa Bender said. I think our policy changes in the police department, the leadership changes, have really created a scenario where this would be unlikely to happen again. So I think it's time to move forward and really continue with the changes that we're making in the police department to make sure this never happens again. Franklin, 22, was shot in the darkened basement of a Southside home on May 10, 2013, after a struggle with SWAT officers who had suspected he was involved in an earlier burglary. Two officers were struck by gunfire during the altercation. Both survived. This guy went for their gun, according to the cops. Why are we rewarding him? I think they found difficulty... A, a lawsuit filed by Franklin's father, Walter Lewis Franklin II, the, the alleges that Franklin had already surrendered with both hands in the air when he was shot, but police and city officials maintain he was shot after arresting control of an M5 rifle from an officer. The officers involved were cleared in an internal investigation, and the grand jury concluded there was, there was insufficient evidence to prosecute them. So they paid the guy. They had the most difficulty believing that uh, he grabbed for the officer's gun in the story that I saw. Yeah. That was the yeah, biggest we all, to get we over. All saw, uh, we <clears throat> all saw a video of a police officer last September uh, being approached by a guy with a knife. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we're, we're not supposed to believe the police when they tell us their threat? I tend to believe the cops. I'm not sure yeah, what happened was, in this there's one. There's no de-escalating that situation. Yeah. John, Johnny, yes. what else do you have for us? Oh, I can do some news for yeah. you here. Uh, the operators of the Treasure Island Center in downtown St. Paul are welcoming the arrival of three new businesses in the city-funded development. Uh, this is the old, uh, the former Dayton's Macy building, yep. uh, that one. Yep. Uh, we're adding the Pillbox Tavern. Wait, is this in Minneapolis? St. Paul. St. Paul. Yep. Uh, adding the Pillbox Tavern and Red Savoy Pizza. The St. Paul mm. Event Center opened there last week. This is where the Wild have their... Rick. Yes, it's yeah. uh, the uh, where the wild uh, workout thing is. Uh, while the building looks different inside and out, parts pay tribute to the past. Though it doesn't open until next month, the new Red Savoy's uh, Red Savoy location has artwork of the old Dayton's building already on its walls. The new location is a return to downtown St. Paul for the pizza chain that started more than 50 years ago. Two other tenants already operating there, Stacked Deck Brewing and Walgreens, and on the third level, they'll be opening the St. Paul Event Center, a space uh, that has windows, unlike many of its hotel-based competitors. Treasure Island Resort and Casino, which signed a multi-year deal for naming rights in 2017, has space on the third level. 
Uh, as Joe said, the Wild has a training facility in the basement. They hold practices on the rooftop rink. The Minnesota Whitecaps, the women's professional hockey team, and the men's and women's Hamlin uh, Pipers hockey team also use the ice. Harvey Weinstein convicted Monday morning at his sexual assault trial, uh, sealing his fall from powerful Hollywood studio boss to villain of the Me Too movement. He was found guilty of criminal sex act for assaulting production assistant Mimi Halai at his apartment in 2006 and third-degree rape of a woman in 2013. The jury found him not guilty on the most serious charge, predatory sexual assault. That could have resulted in a life sentence. The verdict followed weeks of often harrowing and graphic testimony from a string of accusers who told of rapes, forced sex, groping, lewd propositions. The conviction was seen as a long overdue reckoning for Weinstein after years of whispers about his behavior. A jury of seven men and five women took five days to find him. Maybe guilty. Trump will pardon him. Hmm. Perhaps. I think uh, he's used them all up. Well, <laughs> one sort of uh, a sports note well, that Obama I... Obama pardoned a lot of guys. Yeah, yes, well, they all have. Yeah, My they favorite pardon have. was Roger Clinton. That was a good yeah, one. Right. Bill, yeah, uh, Bill pardoned his brother. Uh, sort of sports uh, story. I just grabbed this one because uh, I find it amusing if you know Madison Bumgarner. Oh, uh, this is great. Uh, apparently, he's been enjoying another hobby on weekends. The 30-year-old Bumgarner told The Athletic he had been using the alias Mason Saunders to take part in rodeo events. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Explaining to the sports news site he's been competing under the alias to try to not attract attention. The surname comes from his wife's maiden name. Mason is short for Madison, which Baumgartner said to The Athletic is something for my wife to call me when we're out in public to keep people from recognizing me. Well, he's 6'10". Like, he's pretty tough not to recognize. Three-time World Series champion and 2014 World Series MVP then added... But you're going to ruin that for me. Is he the guy who bought his wife a cow? That's him. That's him. Mm -hmm. That was her wedding gift, Joe. That was a nice cow. There you go. In early December, Bumgarner won $26,560 in a team roping rodeo competition in Arizona. Two photos were posted on Rancho Rio's Facebook page. One shows him competing on horseback. The other shows him after he earned his winnings with the pitcher giving a big smile in the photo. Well, now that his team knows this, they got to prevent it, don't they? Well, uh, I'll address that in just a moment. All right, thank you. Uh, he signed a deal with the Diamondbacks uh, right after that rodeo success. Five years, $85 million. Of course, he's been a San Francisco Giant in his first 11 uh, Major League seasons. Uh, the Athletic asked the Diamondbacks if it was okay for their star pitcher to rope. While under contract, GM Mike Hazen said they won't get into specific contract language. So they're not saying, basically, huh. the Diamondbacks. I would think they would not allow this. Uh, well, you may remember back in 2017 when he was with the Giants, he was messing around with dirt bikes and got into an accident. Mm. Yeah. Shoulder injury, and at that time, he missed three months of the season. At the time, he said, I made uh, not the most responsible decision. I actually so. have audio of Madison saying he's going to be doing this rodeo. <laughs> Madison, congratulations. Um, as the official sponsor or the official vehicle of Major League Baseball, Chevrolet is proud to participate in this uh, prestigious award. Um, along with our dealers, we are also extremely honored to get back to this sport uh, by supporting baseball in cities and towns across this nation. At Chevrolet, we have... Um, we have also been proud of the latest and <laughs> greatest uh, technology in our truck lineup 
which is the all new 2015. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Technology just, and stuff. That's got everything. Yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah I'm not kidding. When Bud realizes that something is wrong, he's not a good high. He's like Pat and Joe on the air. Right. What What is wrong here? Why am I not hearing myself? In my head, I always see Chris Farley when I hear that clip. I was thinking. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, he would have been perfect yeah. for it. Karma. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Karma. <laughs> Mr. Edit. No, we yeah. always say John Luke is up to that word Joe has the there. best line of this guy. He should have been the face of Chevrolet. He should have been risen to marketing yeah. stardom. Uh, Joe, you mentioned this story briefly from an email. Mike Hughes, a go-it-alone daredevil, limousine stunt driver, and self-taught astronaut who professed to believe that the Earth was flat, who was known as Mad Mike, died in a rocket launch. In Did the you guy ever hear desert. of a book? How come somebody... There's pictures of the earth that are round. Didn't one he of his friends just step in and say, no, no, I'm just, I'm not going to... Uh, Reavers has done this to me a number of times where he's just said, no, no. You're, you're just, I don't care. It's the, it's the brother-in-law I factor. don't care so, how much on. you believe in yourself. I'm not allowing this because you're wrong and you're right. dumb. Uh, Mike was 64 years old. His publicist, Darren Schuster, confirmed the death. Schuster, who was not at the launch on Saturday, said the last message he got from Mike Saturday morning was, quote, is the media going to be there? <laughs> around, <laughs> around 2 p.m. on Saturday, San Bernardino County Sheriff's deputies called to the rocket launch on private property in Barstow, about 120 miles northeast of Los Angeles. A video of the launch posted by a freelance journalist, Justin Chapman, shows the steam-powered rocket. Say that again. Steam-powered rocket. Okay, thank you. Shooting off into the sky and a parachute immediately falling to the earth. That, of course, shouldn't have happened. It should have stayed there. Okay, what was supposed to have happened? He was going to parachute back to earth? The A parachute would come out and he would, yes. Uh-huh. This, you know, this is Wiley Coyote yeah, versus the rocket. Somebody lit a big <laughs> fuse. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Moments later, the rocket plummeted and crashed near the launch site. Uh, Mike once worked for NASCAR, was a self-taught rocket scientist, and earned a Guinness World well, Record. Well, not self, a very good one. Self-taught. Self-taught's the key there, yeah. Key word. <laughs> you guys are awful. A well, Guinness, he's asking for it. A Guinness World Record back in 2002 for the longest ramp jump in a limousine. But his legacy may be dominated by his purported belief in a flat Earth. Uh, this launch, by the way, was being filmed for Homemade Astronauts, a new television series for the Science Channel. Uh, the Associated Press once quoted Hughes as saying he believed the Earth was shaped like a Frisbee, but he also conceded he couldn't say for certain. Well, I can. What? I can you, say for certain. You you can see it when you're in an airline. Right. You, you can see the curvature. Well, how, this, that must have been a bit, because nobody's that stupid. Well, uh, let's put it this way. His friends said that right now a lot of folks are laughing at Mike, but no one laughed harder at Mad Mike than himself. Mr. Hughes, they said, didn't really care if the earth was flat and was fully ready to concede his error once he could see it with his own eyes in a final stunt that he was working toward, so according to it, a post. It was friends. all about the stunt. It, well, it was, yeah. It was, the whole flat I'm thing going up to take a look for myself. Just a fun exactly. side. What a way to go on. Yeah. That's a great way to close. Joe. Sure yeah. That's Didn't fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I am ready. I am on the machine. Oh, it's Monday. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh. We, got little, we got some sports to talk about. You stick around a while. Monday Night Sports morning. Talk podcast version follows this award winning, edited Garage Logic podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. Uh, Let the might... records show that Such has his head on the desk right now. He's uh, he's, he's building with anticipation. Yes. Yes. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. What are you but thinking? Nothing's about? happening. All right, GarageLogic.com is home base for all Garage Logic podcasts. 
listens. If you would like to poke around some new podcasts, we invite you to download on your phone app, PodMN. If you want to go old school, you can check it out on your computer, PodMN.com. It's just that simple. Check out things like Fret Club, Garage Logic, Table Talk, all sorts of wonderful Minnesota podcasts at PodMN.com. I'm off to Fratelloni's to get some of that uh, snow melt for my roof. Dang it, I forgot to go this weekend.